What is up, everybody? Welcome to another Thursday edition of NFL Turf Talk here right on DSM Media. Um, if you guys aren't already, make sure you're following DSM Media at DSM underscore media. That's on Twitter. On Instagram, we are at DSM period do something major. Make sure to follow either one of those social media platforms. You'll find our link tree. That'll plug you in with every single social media platform we're available on, which is all of them. Um, as well as uh, any podcast streaming service that you prefer, Apple, Spotify, whatever you prefer, um, you can find us on there as well. Uh, we also got a merch site up on our link tree as well. Make sure if you're supporting DSM, support us all the way. Grab some DSM merch. I am here tonight, uh, as always, with my co-host, Dylan uh, Davis. You guys can find him on Twitter at DylanJD98. And of course, we have a very special guest down below, my man Vance. You can find him on at uh, <laughs> at true <laughs> underscore love zero, my man. I, I meant to put your last name in there with your first name, so it threw me off when I went to the at name, Vance. But <laughs> Vance true at crew underscore love zero. Make sure you're tapping into Vance. As you guys know, if you've watched any of my shows before, I always get Vance on here very quality guests but guys how are we doing tonight great man great thanks for having me on fellas i appreciate it what's going on guys got the you can't see it but got the salute to service edition shirt on today like uh, happy veterans day everybody happy veterans thank you everyone, sure. thank you everyone for your service and uh got a lot to talk about scotty yes that is right uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump right into it uh tonight um, I, I didn't even introduce myself. I am Scotty. If you don't already know me, you can find me on Twitter at Scotty Drown. Uh, yeah. What's up, Adam? Thanks for checking in tonight. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. Um, but yes, we got a lot to dive into. We're going to get into first OBJ to the Rams. Um, we do. We are going to recap week nine. So we'll touch on the uh, Eagles and Chargers matchup. We'll get into a little bit of that crazy Monday night football game. Um, the referee interference that was going on in that game. Um, and then we will jump to takeaways from week nine, updated power rankings, and we'll finish off with Ravens-Dolphins preview. But let's start off at the top, OBJ to the Rams. Instant thoughts uh, on this decision. I honestly didn't see this coming myself. So um, I'll toss it to you first, Dylan. Um, what were your initial thoughts when the OBJ signing with the Rams? I I go against the grain a little bit, which just I haven't seen a lot of reaction to it. Uh, but just you know, seeing our, our group channel, I like it a lot. Um, I understand the off the field stuff or the locker room stuff. If you know, people are already saying, well, he's just going to start bitching two weeks after he's not getting the ball enough, and you know, the you know the Rams are going, the Rams are literally going all in. The Rams are trying to yeah. buy and you know manifest a, a Super Bowl in Los Angeles, but. I really, really like it. I mean, you add that talent to that offense, Scotty, that you and I talk a lot about um, on this show. Mm -hmm. Why not? Like, you just made a statement. I'm going in. Now, will it work? It, it, it all comes down to the off-the-field stuff, the locker room. Not the off-the-field stuff, but the locker room stuff. Um, you know, can he buy in if, you know, if he's in a rotation with Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Van Jefferson, and all those guys? They're, right. they're going to spread you out. They're going to go three wide, four wide. So he's going to play a lot of snaps um, where, you know, they're not a run first team as some of the other teams on the market for him where like in New England, like uh, Green Bay, not that Green Bay's run first, but you get my point. They run the ball a lot. 
Um, so from a play perspective, I absolutely love it. It's just another another bullet in the chamber, another weapon for for that Rams offense and for Sean McVay. Um, but you got to see if the locker room stuff works first. Yeah. What about you, Vance? What are your thoughts? Yeah, Dylan kind of <clears throat> – excuse me, Dylan pretty much stole my thunder. I mean, <laughs> at this point, you know, that is the best group of four receivers in the NFL. And Van Jefferson is actually underrated, I think. Yeah. I think he's a really, really good player who happened to be their third receiver on that team. But, yeah, that offense is pretty much unstoppable and pretty potent at this point when you look at it. Like Dylan said, they can spread you out. You know, Henderson catches the ball out of the backfield. Um, Higby is also yeah. a weapon as well. So, you know, sky is the limit for that team, man. Like, I, I really think that they're going to do big things in, in the uh, playoffs. Yeah, and you know, you you both touched on it. Uh, you guys, you guys both love OBJ to the Rams, um, and you mentioned it, Dylan. Uh, you know, Phil, Jason, they they were not big fans of uh, you know OBJ going to the Rams. Um, for I, I'm not exactly sure why they they aren't fans of it. I was. It, can, it I, can only be because they think it can mess up whatever whatever culture they have built in that locker room right now, they think if, if it messes it up that way, you know what I mean? Like there's no way from a player perspective. And see, I'm, I'm just not a huge believer in it. Like if, if he goes there and messes up the culture, then so be it. He's a, he's a locker room cancer, right. but you know, throughout his career, the things that I've seen, you know, the giants, that was probably his biggest fits when he was on the giants on um, the sideline stuff, kicking the, you know, the net or whatever yeah. that was. But, um, you know, aside from those little tantrums of just pure competitiveness and wanting to be a part of the, the offense, um, I don't think that he's done anything crazy. I mean, he's tried to get along with Baker Mayfield. Obviously, the connect on the football field never really happened, but that's a run-first, run-heavy team. It, it, it's hard for you to build that connection at, if you want to be that number one receiver there. So as far as OBJ and, like, the bad attitude, I I mean, we'll see. I, I just, you know, there's there's usually smoke to or, or fire to the smoke. Um, but I, I, I'll have to see it to believe it one more time. Right. Um, but what I will say, the only reason that I don't like, I love, I love it for the Rams. I think it sets the Rams offense up significantly. I just don't like it for OBJ. I, he goes into another offense where he's going to be fighting for targets and maybe it does work out. Maybe he becomes a favorite of Matthew Stafford and, you know, he, he becomes that guy. Right. But, I just thought, you know, for me, I, I thought Green Bay was the perfect place for him to go um, to be that legit number two opposite side of Devontae Adams. He would get plenty of targets in that offense. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to sit here. He he made the choice. He wanted to go where he wanted to go. And they're building an all-star team there in L.A., um, which I, I saw the ring you showed, Dylan. That, that's what they're going for, and, and rightfully so. I just, from a personal perspective of myself, I want to see OBJ blossom and show that he's still that top elite receiver, um, which he still has the possibility to do in the Rams. I just thought there was a higher possibility of that showing completely on, in, in Green Bay. So I get that. Um, but if he's still at that high level, like like we're hoping for, he's going to outplay a Robert Woods. He's going to outplay Van Jefferson. Cooper Cup is one thing. Cooper Cup is a solid, solid yeah. wide receiver. Solid yeah. wide receiver one right now with Matthew Stafford. But like if OBJ is still at that level where if you plugged him next to Devontae Smith or, or Devontae Adams, excuse me, um, he would go in and dominate. If he's still at that level, he's going to elevate his game above a Robert Woods. Yeah, Phil said fair. they Phil said they just have enough. They didn't need it. 
I mean, from if you're the if you're a Rams fan, if you're the Rams organization, why you got it essentially for free? It's a one year. You gave up nothing. You didn't have to trade to get them. You signed them. See if it works out. Uh, the last thing I'll say about it, though, Scotty, is two well, two things. You mentioned the locker room cancer part, like oh, where you know there's where there's smoke, sometimes there's fire. Um, we heard the same thing about Antonio Brown, and right. now granted, he got vouched for by the goat. And the goat like moved them into his house. So maybe that had some, you know, rehabilitation factors to his off the field stuff. But I don't, he's not that level that that AB was at. And the second part is I heard it from, I want to say Dan Orlovsky, and it was a great point in Cleveland with Baker as your quarterback. Now, I, I like Baker Mayfield as a quarterback, but we know his limitations as a passer at times, right? And in Cleveland, everything is is down like the the details are like down to the th- like thin thick of it right so like he's if he's got to be at this spot at this time for baker to deliver him the ball on the spot right obj with his skill set should be able to play with some sort of freedom with a guy who can just find him with some with kind of like some schoolyard ball here and there you're going to get that with matthew stafford in the rams offense so in a more you know systematic, you know, detailed, like, um, refined kind of offense that Cleveland's running where he's got to be here at this spot, you know, he, he should, he, he'll make out okay in LA. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And just to add to what Dylan said, um, the Rams don't bring OBJ into that locker room. If they think that they're going to have a problem, they've got enough guys on that team. Um, they've got Von Miller now, you know, they have Aaron Donald that's been there forever. You know, they have strong veteran presence in that locker room. So, you know, that makes this signing a lot. It makes a lot of sense to me as to why they would bring him in. And the second thing is, if you watch the Rams, the Rams take advantage of matchups. So, yeah. you know, OBJ potentially being your third receiver, he's going to have his games where he gets 10 targets because he's going to be lined up against somebody's third best corner yeah. or safety. So he's going to get his targets no matter what. Yeah. So I guess, you know, in, in the one final thing I'll add in here with OBJ to the Rams, um, which you, you, we see Phil chime in here. <laughs> Cooper Cup isn't solid, Dylan. He's a top wide receiver. Yeah, he he is a top wide receiver in the NFL right now. That's fine, but you can add to the top wide receiver. Production. Here's the way I look at it, though. As Eagles fans, if we had this loaded offense, if we had this loaded roster, and the Eagles signed, you know, that doesn't have to be OBJ, but they signed another wide receiver that, you know, was this big signing with a lot of talent, we wouldn't be sitting here like, nah, we didn't need it. Like, we would be ecstatic that we added another piece, and that's what the Rams are doing. The Rams are in win-now mode, go win a Super Bowl, and I think that's what this move is all about, really. And the only other thing that I was going to add in there, um, you know, Cooper Cup, he's he's actually struggled with injuries towards the end of the season, mid-season, um, the last few seasons. Um, so you got to have insurance for these guys as well. Wide receiver is a very fragile position. All it takes is a tweak of an ankle, and and they're out for a few weeks. So, I, I just think you can never have enough talent there. If you're, if I'm looking at it from the Rams side, I have zero issue with that. You, you can never have enough talent on offense. That's just my opinion. Um, now let's Devontae let's go ahead. Devonte <laughs> Adams and OBJ would have been cool though. It would have been cool, man, and I, I would have loved to, uh, you know, see Aaron Rodgers with <laughs> just that multitude of weapons, but. Yeah. Um, He'll, he'll be all right, though. Aaron Rodgers can handle himself. Um, let's move on to the Chargers and Eagles real quick. Um, Dylan, I know me and you, we got to uh, recap it on Monday, but um, we, we definitely can just dive into it for a little bit here with Vance. But um, 
obviously you guys know Herbert, 32 for 38 uh, from the field, 356 yards, two touchdowns. He had one rushing touchdown to go along with it. Um, totally just just diced us up all day. Um, we've never really stood a chance. Had zero sacks, zero QB hits in that game. Got literally zero pressure in that game. Um, Keenan Allen, 12 receptions, 104 yards. Uh, Jalen Hurts, 11 for 17, 162 yards, one touchdown, 10 carries, 62 yards. Got Jordan Howard involved with a touchdown. And, of course, our guy, Devontae Smith, with the huge day, five receptions, 116 yards, and a touchdown. It was beautiful to finally see him really explore for that complete game. Should have been two. My man Dallas Goddard should have had one as well, but uh, I digress. Um Takeaways from this game, guys. Thoughts? I guess let's start with Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, the offense. Um, what were our thoughts on that? Um, you know, coming out of this game, and I'll, I'll start with you, Vance. Um, <clears throat> I like what the Eagles did. I like the fact that they ran, ran the ball finally. The issue for me is, guys, is that the pendulum swings a little bit too far for me. You know, you run the ball. You know, I get it. You run the ball thirty plus times against Detroit. You win the game. You come back and you do the same thing and you only pass the ball 17 times. You don't win in the NFL by passing the ball 17 times. You just don't, especially against an offense like the Chargers. You know, so from that standpoint, you know, was it was it, there was some good to take away from it? Yeah, I like to see the running game. But like I said, the pendulum swings too far. It's got to be somewhere in the middle. You can't throw the ball 17 times or run it 30 plus times in a game where you're playing against a predominantly passing team. Yeah. It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't work like that. And, you know, as far as, you know, as far as the Eagles, I looked up a stat today. They're 32nd in the NFL, giving up 75% completion percentage to the other teams. Guys, are you sitting down? They're giving up 80% at home. <laughs> How are you going to win a football game giving up an 80% completion percentage? You can't. You, you can't win football games that way. So, you know, I just don't – from one week to the next, guys, all I'm looking to see is a plan that I can <laughs> – that I can rock with. And honestly, I just don't, I don't see it. You know, this team does still, they don't have an identity on offense, you know, for seven weeks, they want to throw the ball next two weeks, they come back and they're, you know, they're running the ball predominantly yeah. every down on defense. It's the same thing weekend and week out, you know, corners playing 10, you know, 10 yards off easy throws for the quarterback. It just, you know, I'm not seeing the progression that I like to see from the coaching staff in particular. What about you, Dylan? Yeah, man. So a couple thoughts. Um, the 80% is something that I've never seen before in my lifetime. I'm not sure many football fans in general have ever. Um, so we can have the conversation all night about, is it Gannon? Is it the talent? Is it Gannon? It's the talent. It's obviously both, but which side, you know, is contributing more to this, this piss poor effort by the defense. But yeah. offensively, I agree with Vance. Scotty, it's something you and I talked about after the Detroit game was, okay, great. You finally ran the football. And I'm a big, um, a big defender of do something till they prove they can stop it. So against Detroit, you ran the ball down their throat. You scored four rushing touchdowns. You ran for over 230 rushing yards, right? So why would we do something else? But we didn't learn anything about Jalen Hurts in that game. He threw 11 passes, right? So this week they threw a little bit more. He had a couple, uh, uh, a few better plays with his arms, uh, with his arm, excuse me. So you saw a little bit more from Jalen Hurts. I liked Sirianni's game. It was probably his best called game all year long, but I do agree with Vance. Like, it was more balanced than against Detroit, but it still wasn't balanced enough. And I, yeah. I don't understand the timing. So Vance said, you know, 
uh, he's not seeing the progression he wants from the coaching staff. I'm not understanding the decision making. By like, the, the, how does it take you seven weeks to run the football, and it took you to lose your best offensive skill position player to do so? You brought Jordan How. You got Jordan Howard off his couch two days before the Detroit game. You hand him the ball almost twenty damn times. Boston Scott hadn't seen the field at all, being active every week. Now he's getting the ball and finding the end zone. You do that after you lose Miles Sanders. Then, when Miles Sanders was healthy, Kenny G was your number two running back, seeing a lot of playing time. He goes out, meaning Miles Sanders, and Kenny G slides to number three behind Boston Scott and, <laughs> and Jordan Howard. It does just no sense to it. No guys. rhyme or reason, man. No, man. Like it's just I can't. I don't know, dude. I, I can't I can't figure out what their thought process is throughout the week. And I think that's the most disappointing thought, uh, disappointing thing about it all is like, dude, how how did we get here? How did like I don't know. It's and and, and, and to your point, like to your guys' point, like, okay, yeah, you're finally round, running the ball. Like, congrats. And in Nick's head, he's probably like, Well, I'm doing what you guys wanted. All right, all right, dude. You could throw the ball more than eleven times in the game too. Like you don't gotta overdo it. Yeah, and that's you know hearing you got hearing you both kind of talk through that, it changes my my outlook because you know coming into this and leaving that Chargers and Eagles game, I was thinking you know, well at least Sirianni showed a little bit of improvement. Like obviously, I still want to see Jalen Hurts given more opportunities to make some plays, um, but no, you you guys are both right. It, it's just the complete opposite end of this of, of the spectrum. It's like one. It's like these last two weeks, he's just been ultra conservative, right? And then in the first seven weeks, it was just super aggressive. You're passing the ball down the field, so it's like he's not he's not finding the balance, and ultimately, you're seeing that in the results. And uh, you know, Adam asks what what you guys think the run and pass percentage should be. Fifty fifty, <laughs> like that's you know, in and, a and, perfect and, world, it's fifty fifty. Well, yeah, in a perfect world. In a perfect world, 50-50. But right now, you know, the run in the last two games, it's been about – in that Lions game, is about 80-20, 90-10. And in this past game, it was about 70-30. So it's like you, you don't – you got to even it out. You got to balance what it What it should be, Scotty, is more so around the 60-40 pass first type in, in today's day and age of the NFL, like Vance said earlier. You got to be – you're not going to win when you're not throwing the football. Yeah, in the NFL right now. So he went from probably 88% pass, 12% run <laughs> to 75% run, 25% pass. So like find the middle ground somewhere, Nick, I'm begging you to find an even, uh, not an even balance. 50, 50 is never going to happen, but a, a 60, 40, a, a 65, 35, somewhere in that range, please. And it's like, don't run the ball because we want you to. Like, you know what I mean? Like, do not do what the fan – like, I saw that. I think it was in the Tampa Bay game where he was – it just seemed like he was calling yeah. plays based on the crowd's reaction. And I'm just like, no, like, stop it. It's the same thing as the T-shirts. You need to stop, you know, trying to acclimate to the fans. You, you do not need to do that. Focus on what you need to do on the football field and what's successful. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, even just hearing you say that, Dylan, I, I feel like he does do that stuff. And he's thinking in his head, well, at least well, he's the pandering king, dude. He's the pandering king. At least if we lose running the football, the fans will be happy. Yeah, like, but... no, we don't want to lose, period. We want you to call a game correctly. And, and I think that 
the, the biggest thing. But Before we move on to the defense, I do want to ask Vance, because we talked about this on Monday, me, you, and Ginn. The, the skill position players on this offense, um, yeah, there's a lot of holes. And I, I just wanted to get his thought, on, your thoughts, Vance, on like where you were before the season started on guys like exclude Devontae Smith because we all love the pick and we all think he can be a wide receiver one in this league and on this team. But the Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins specifically, Eagles Twitter, a lot of Eagles fan base, a lot of this fan base was trying to talk themselves in or trying to hype up these two young guys. It's their coming out season. Watch out for Quez Watkins, Jalen Rager. He's healthy in a new system, blah, blah, blah. These two aren't it. Like, they are not it for me. Um, I'm done with Jalen Rager. I called him. He's officially a year and a half in. He is a bust of a first-round draft pick for me. And Quez Watkins hasn't seen more than three balls in a game all year long. So what are your thoughts on on those two and the skill position players on this team? So I'll start with Quez Watkins. <clears throat> I think Quez Watkins can do more than what he's shown, but I would like them for him for them to start targeting him on some intermediate routes. I mean, every time they throw him the ball, it's a goal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, that's that's coaching. <laughs> that that's a coaching issue to me. Yeah. I think that he can do more. I think he's shown that if you hit him with the short pass, you've seen him. You saw him on screens in the first game of the yeah. season against Atlanta. You haven't seen one since. You saw him in the, on the screen against Pittsburgh in the preseason. You really haven't seen one since. So, you know, again, I go back to coaching and I go back to what is the plan? You know, how do you how do you get these guys the ball? I don't see it consistent. Why aren't they targeting him five times, five or six times a week? It's not like he's not out on the field. So, again, I'm looking at the coach as far as Rager. Rager's been a disappointment. But, again, if Rager was playing for Sean Payton, I think he'd look a lot better, to be honest. I mean, his skill set is limited, in my opinion. It is it is somewhat limited. He's not, to me, he's not an outside receiver. Um, one of the things that they talked about in the beginning of the season was putting him in the slot. What happened to that? <laughs> Dude, you know? don't, even, like, don't even get me started on, on hey, I say it to Scotty every single week. For a dude that got that got hired at the as the new head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, to hear him week in and week out in his press conferences preach about putting his guys in the in a position to succeed, putting his guys in the best position possible, playing to their strengths. Through eight or nine weeks, he has done the polar opposite of playing to his guys' strengths. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so I agree with you there. I just I don't know if we see the eye to eye on the on the Jalen Rager thing. So don't don't get me wrong. I, I think Rager's been Rager's been yeah. a disappointment so far. He's definitely been a disappointment. But I think that there are ways for a coach to get the ball in a player's hands, even a guy that's struggling to get him some confidence. And I just don't see that with Sirianni. I mean, if we look at it, if we look at what he did with Devontae Smith, Devontae Smith pretty much went a few weeks where we didn't hear from him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Again, that's that's coaching because there are opportunities there. And, you know, with Quez Watkins, everything doesn't have to be a long pass. Throw him a sc- screen. Get him involved. With Rager, his skill set is limited. Get him involved in, in more, you know, receiver sweeps or, you know, jet sweeps or something like that. Let him do the things that he did well at TCU and build off of those things. But I don't see that from Sirianni. Like, you know, every week I look at him and, you know, the first game against Atlanta, I thought, you know, I like the game plan. Every week since I've been like, I don't yeah. understand what he's I don't understand what he's doing. And these are young players too. So you have to wonder, you know, is a young coach the right guy to entrust with these young players to help them develop? I mean, 
to me, you know, the moment is just too big for Sirianni right now. For sure. You ask me. Um, I don't I don't see the development. I don't see him. This is a guy that used to be a, a wide receivers coach. I don't see the development. I, I just I don't I don't see a plan. No. But at the same time, if I'm him, if I'm Doug last year, I'm thinking like to, to what you just said, Vance, I'm, if I'm them too, I'm like, Howie, you just handed me a first round draft pick that I have to go out of my way to design things for just for him to be successful or for him to get the ball. Like that's more than anything. It's the 20th overall pick that bothers me to no end. It's, it's his social media post that I cannot take anymore. And then it's him having one catch for negative six yards, zero catches, (laughs) one catch for seven yards. It's like, dude, Listen, I, I won't disagree with you. The guy's football acumen. When you catch a football on a on a screen and you're five yards behind the line, you probably go please, north, right? Just, just go down. <laughs> just go down. Why are you running back five more yards? Like, what what, what are you doing? But no, you know, these, I, are, these are things that I just wonder. You know, when when yeah. they're practicing, what are they what are they doing? <laughs> That's a good question because you know a lot of the stuff it, it just seems completely. It's, it's confusing, some of the stuff that we see week to week. Um, my, my biggest problem with the offense right now, I love Devontae Smith. I love getting him involved. Um, I, I am higher on Quez Watkins than I am Jalen Rager, Me too. Um, just to Me be too. clear. Um, at least he ha- he has speed. He's able to get open. Um, it, and I would like to see him using the short pass game. That's where he can excel. Um, Dallas Goddard, man, I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Is he not – like, the thing is, I, I would say, is he not as good as I think he is? But when I go back and I look at, at these these games and I see how open this guy is most of the time, um, when you're looking at a guy that is such a big frame, such a QB-friendly target, and he just doesn't get the plays drawn up for him. Like, like Dallas Goddard is a tight end that can run a tight end screen. Like, you can run that play for Dallas Goddard – We've seen that maybe once this season, I feel like. Just getting him involved, getting him in a rhythm. Um, we see it, it. It seems like the last three games, first drive is heavy Dallas Goddard. And then the rest of the game, nothing. Like, literally, he's, like, exited the game plan for the rest of the game. And uh, that's where I can see where you're coming from, Vance, um, with, with what you're saying as far as just designing plays and putting guys in, in position to be successful. As far as Rager, you know, it's it's hard for me to to believe in him. Like, I guess the way I would put it, like, obviously you're not going to cut Rager. Like, you're not going to do anything crazy like that. You'll see what you got in him. Um, if Sirianni's here next year, we'll, I guess we'll see how they use him next year. But I, I, I feel like they need to go, you know, regardless of those other receivers aside from Smith, they need to go out and get a veteran receiver um, and somebody to really command that unit. Obviously, Devontae Smith is a very good wide receiver. But he doesn't need to be over here teaching. He has enough stuff that he needs to learn himself. He doesn't need to be teaching these other young receivers. He needs to focus on his own game and making sure he's getting himself right and making sure he's improving. So I would I would just like to see a veteran receiver added to this roster. Um, clear out the bottom of those guys, like you know the Wards, the the uh, the Artegas of the world. There's no use for these guys on the roster at this point. Next next season, we're going in. And if Jalen Hurts is going to be here next season, which I, I just have a gut feeling he, he's going to get another year to develop, give him some weapons so that we can really see what he's about. You know, some reliable guys. Um, I saw Temp Daddy on Twitter 
Um, he mentioned like Chris Godwin. Um, I can't remember who the other one was. Uh, Cortland Sutton out of Denver. So those guys will be free agents this year. There's there's going to be some options to add some talent to that wide receiver room that's already developed. And I think they need to do that next uh, going into next season. So that's where I'm at on the skill position players, honestly. Adam, Adam says, who's better, Aguilar or Rager? Yeah, not even close. But guys, here's my opinion. Even if they went out and got more talent, I mean, do you have you seen anything from this coach that would lead you to believe know, that man. he would be able to put them in the right position to, to succeed now? I know. Here's, man. My, here's my opinion. You've got Devontae Smith, who's a weapon. You've got Dallas Goddard, who's a weapon. If Devontae Smith isn't getting 10 targets and Goddard isn't getting eight targets a week, that's malpractice. Yeah, I totally 100% agree. Yeah, I mean, to, to his point before we move on here, it's like, okay, Devontae Smith's only played a, a X amount of games in his career, Scotty. So it's like hard to rely on the rookie week in and week out. So when you see yeah. him get shut down, it's like we kind of chalk it up as like a rookie game, right? But in reality, you see what he does on from a week-to-week kind of basis. We just saw what he did against the Chargers. He had one catch for like 10 yards or six yards against the Lions. Like that's on the coaching staff. Like the weeks where he's getting shut out, that's on the coaching staff. So rookie, veteran, rookie, veteran, I don't know if it matters if this coaching staff is in place right now. Um, I, you know, I really don't want to talk about the defensive side of the ball because I don't want to throw up on camera. <laughs> we, um, yeah, there's, there's not much to say about the defensive side of the no, ball. I mean, that's, no. it, there's not anything going on there. No. I think well, What I will say about this game. Hopefully, but yeah. What I Go will ahead. say about this game to wrap things up are, and I said this on Monday to you, Scotty, is that they, I saw some improvement in Sirianni's play calling, not a lot, but some. I saw some improvement in Jalen Hurts as a passer, not a lot, but some. They continued to do things against a formidable opponent, a la run the football, like they did against a bad opponent the week before. And they still lost the game, saving yeah. us from a you know, potentially fraudulent type of playoff run. Because that's what everyone was waiting for, right? Like, this is the game to where you can put yourself in a position to get that six or seven uh, six or seven slot, that wild card slot. And yeah. I think that's kind of out the window now. I know the schedule eases up, but then when you see what the Broncos did to the Cowboys last week in Dallas, we're in Denver. You really think the Eagles are going to beat that Broncos team? I don't. I'll tell you that right now. I'm sure we'll talk about it on Sunday, but not a fat chance. Yeah, I think it was the perfect. It was it, it was the perfect all around outcome because if they would have found a way to win that game, obviously as an Eagles fan in the moment, I would have been happy. I would have been excited, but we'd be looking at what right now four and five instead of yeah. three and six, and yeah. they'd be in a position for that seven seed with the schedule easing up and everybody and their mother in the city of Philadelphia would be talking about how the Eagles are going to make a playoff run. And my mental health can't can't deal with that. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I totally agree. Um, just one last thing I wanted to throw in there, and it's something I jokingly said to uh, Dylan on a previous show, but, you know, maybe the reason that everybody was so high coming into this season on the Eagles offense is because they were practicing against that defense. <laughs> Maybe, I mean, if that defense, they're not getting very maybe. many good reps of defense against that offense. So maybe no wonder this offense comes out and looks confused week to week. I really want to know how they won all those joint practices, too. 
Yeah. They, they were winning day in and day out. That's He wasn't trying to pander to the fans. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> it wasn't designing the game plan for the fans' approval. Um, let's uh, let's move on. We got a little a lot to go through in the rest of the show here. Um, so real quick, Bears versus Steelers, Monday Night Football. I don't want to spend too much time on it um, because I'm not too high on these teams <laughs> to want to spend too much time on them. Uh, but Pittsburgh comes out 29-27 win. Um, it was a nail-biter, but there was a lot of uh, turmoil in this game, to say the least, um, specifically the taunting call on uh, Marsh, as as well as the you know the ref kind of just turning and, and, and backing into him before throwing a flag on him. Um, just real quick, thoughts on the referees in that game um, and how that played out, and then just NFL officiating in general and the taunt rule. You want to go first, Vince? I got it. All right. You got it. So – the NFL officiating in every sport is becoming harder and harder to watch every every year and every week. The NFL officiating with this new taunting rule put in place is becoming brutal, more brutal every single week. Um, it feels like what I'll say about the the one where Carente hip checked the yeah. dude, like purposefully turned around and, and hip checked him and then threw a flag for making contact with an official, I believe. I've never seen that before. Ever. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that official isn't suspended without pay. Like it's it's right there for you to see. Like he saw him coming, turned his body into him when the dude wasn't looking at the referee, made contact, threw a flag. Already had his hand on the flag. The, the marsh, what was it? The sack or the run stop, whatever it was on a big play. I uh, hate to break that to you, fellas. That was taunting. Um, listen to an extreme level, no. My dude, you celebrated four or five times. Get your ass back onto the sideline <laughs> and let us get the ball back. Like you, he did the super. He did the you know jump and spin, kick in the air. That was cool, whatever, right? Then he celebrated with some of his teammates. Then he ran and walked over towards the Pittsburgh sideline. And I, if he said anything, I don't know, but he made you know walked over the stare them down and then celebrated more teammates. Dude, get off of the field. Right, so that to a lesser extent, it's not what you would say is normally taunting. You can't celebrate a sack four times <laughs> and, and walk towards the opposing sideline and stare them down. Like it, maybe it's not taunting, but it's definitely stupid. So you get a flag for stupidity, and now you're back off the you're back off the active roster, probably. Thoughts, Vance? Dude, they don't call it the new fun league for a reason, man. For no reason. <laughs> I mean, I, my personal opinion, Dylan, is that Marsh penalty was ridiculous. You know, I, I thought it was ridiculous, man. I mean, just let the guys play. Let them show a little bit of emotion, man. That's what football has always been about. Like, you out there, you make a play. He wasn't in anybody's face. Did he stare at the sideline? Yeah, he stared at the sideline because that team cut him. I, I get it. He didn't do anything other than stare at the sideline. I mean, like, come on, guys. Like, we're, this is turning into a pansy league. It can't, it, it can't happen, man. Like, this is not the football that I grew up with. It's bad enough they're changing the basketballs and, and basketball. And, you know, everything that's going on in sports right now is a little bit crazy. But that's that's football, man. You got to let guys play. Let them show a little bit of emotion. There's nothing wrong with that. No, I think my – go ahead. Go ahead. No, I love the emotion. And, I'm not, like I said, it's not – taunting taunting yeah i don't think he did anything wrong per se like i said i probably my more more of my like thinking of like the anger comes from like dude get off the field like you can't stop celebrating four or five times on the field after you make one play now you just cost your you 
by doing that, you put it in the official's hands. Celebrate once, do the kick, what's up, get back on the sideline, celebrate more on the sideline. By you doing the kick, celebrating, let me walk over there while my whole team's on the sideline, stare them down, walk back, celebrate. You put it in the official's hands to say taunting or no taunting, and you 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 will basically cost your team the game right there. So, yeah, maybe I'm wrong for saying it's taunting per se. It's more so stupidity, um, and, and he, he apparently got flagged for it. The other one, the, the hip check was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I just, I, you know, as far as, like, the taunting in general, I, I get what you both said. I, I just think it's such a stupid rule in general, um, taunting. I mean, this is the most physical sport, like, in the, yeah, in the freaking world, aside from, like, rugby. And you want guys to just hit each other with metal helmets right. and just not not show any type of emotion or passion for the game. Like, it, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. And then my only other issue with it is the fact that what they allow versus what they don't allow, right? Like, and then the times that they're calling these penalties as well. You know, in the crunch t- crunch moments of the games, you're throwing flags for this stuff. When guys are going to be pretty riled up, you know, towards the end of the game when it's a close game there. So the taunting in general, you know, it's similar to what I thought about, you know, when we played the Buccaneers a few weeks ago. We, we get that penalty call because I, I can't even remember what it was. It was Avery on the sideline or something. He gets called for a taunting penalty. They get an automatic 15-yard first down. Pretty much ends the game for us. We have to sit here and watch Antonio Brown go on to catch three more passes, and he celebrates after every single one of them going, doing some type of crazy, like, first down and, you know, button his chest up to the crowd. It's like – we can't sit here and allow that. We can't sit here and allow defensive the entire defensive unit to go down to the goalposts and do like a karate kick together or do a dance move together, electric slide, but then call taunting at the end of the game. Like that just does not equate to me. That doesn't make sense. And uh, it's just it, it's simply unfair. And I think it it gives the officials a situation where they can use their preference or their own beliefs or their assumptions. And I just feel like that there's no place for that in the NFL because if that official, for whatever reason, just doesn't like the Bears, doesn't like that player, well, that's taunting. And I decide that because it's up to my discretion when it just it, it shouldn't be like that. But um, we have Eagles Uncensored podcast checking in. Yo, what's good, guys? What's up? Thank you for tuning in. Um, final final thing with that game, um, I, I thought I thought we saw you know some some great growth from Justin Fields. He made some incredible throws down the stretch. He was really showing up in crunch time. Even got them a chance to win it at the end with a, a long field goal there. Um, and then real quick question for you guys. Steelers, are, are they a playoff team? Like, are they good enough to be a playoff team in you guys' eyes? Not with that quarterback. <laughs> uh, it looks like he's shot putting the ball when he throws it, man. The amount of times <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger has just had the ball, like, fall out of his hand this year. I've seen it at least three or four times, and I, I don't see it ever. Like, he, he got away with it the other night because his arm came forward before he tried to reel the ball back in. But he literally threw the ball and then tried to, like, stop himself and, like, snatch it to come back. And he's lucky they didn't call a fumble. I, he's, hard, he's a hard watch, bro. Like, I don't enjoy watching the Steelers <laughs> play football at all. I don't I like their skill it. position players. Like, I get out of here with Chase Claypool and, and, and uh, what's Deontay it? Johnson. Deontay Johnson's okay. Washington and 
oh, they are just they're boring, and he he needs to hang them up. You ain't lying. I did just pick up their uh, their rookie tight end in a couple leagues, though. He's been cooking the last few weeks. <laughs> Fryer moves or whatever. Fryer moves. Yeah. Move. <laughs> <laughs> He's out of Penn State, isn't he? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Am I right? I thought, I thought he came out of PSU, but uh, all right, guys, let's let's keep it moving here. Um, one takeaway each from us. Um, week nine. I'll start first. Um, week nine. It, it was just a crazy week, and I think what it proved to me is that the NFL is wild. Um, and e- each and every week, any one of these teams can lose. Um, I believe me and Dylan had our lock of the week: Bills over Jags. Oh, I went over too. Bills, what are the Bills going to do? They go and they lose to the Jags, put up six points. How could you predict that? Um, Las Vegas loses to the Giants. Las Vegas is a team I had in my top ten power rankings last week. Cowboys look, get blown out by the Broncos, completely dominated. That score is completely misleading. It's one of those garbage time scores that you're seeing there with the 30-16. to 16. Um, The Cardinals beat the 49ers without Kyler Murray or DeAndre Hopkins. And then, of course, the Titans were able to take down the Rams 28-16 uh, to 16 without Derrick Henry. And the, the Titans' defense is starting to look really real. They got a, a nice pass rush going there. Um, so that's my takeaway from this this week is that none of these teams are safe week in, week out, um, so everybody needs to watch their backs. But uh, I'll, I'll throw it to you, Dylan. What, what do you got this week? My takeaway this week was that no one is running away with things. I was going to say no one's real, but that's not my, my wording here. It's no one. There's no team that sticks out to me that I'm like, they're the biggest threat to winning the Super Bowl. They're the, they're the team you got to go through, right? Because this week you're just seeing it more and more. You could just chalk it up as a bad loss or whatever, but the, there was a ton this week. Obviously the Bucs are coming on. They were on a bye week, but they lost to the Saints the week before. The Bills lose to the Jags, like you said. The Cowboys lay a dud against the Broncos at home. The Bengals, Scotty, after beating up on the Ravens, and we're like, okay, is Joey B and the Bengals for real? They drop two straight. They get beat up by the Browns. The Rams lose to the Tennessee Titans without Derek, with their, in their first game without Derrick Henry in L.A. I mean, I just I don't know who's the biggest threat to winning it all. There's a lot of teams that are really good. The Cardinals, the Packers, the Bucks. The Titans, they're all really good, but there is no... Two years ago, you could point at Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and say, they're the problem. That They're the biggest threat. Last year, obviously, they lose to the Bucs, but it was the Chiefs in the AFC, you're saying, they're the big problem. And then, obviously, you know, with that defense and Brady, they were going to be right in the thick of things. This year, I don't have a read on it nine weeks in, and that was my biggest takeaway with all those upsets this week. So my takeaways are pretty simple. <clears throat> the Titans are for real, guys. And, you know, when I watch them play, like I'm never really all that impressed with Tannehill. You know, the defense kind of struggled, I believe, early in the season, but now they're coming together. But one thing I'll say about that team, they take on the persona of their coach. That team is – they're tough as nails, man. They're tough as nails. I had – I didn't see them going into L.A. and beating the Rams the way that they did. They beat them pretty handily. So, you know, that's a team to watch out for. And the Colts have no chance of coming back and winning that division. They're they're done nah, with the way the yeah. Titans are playing. And secondly, going back to week one, guys, I think we all thought that uh, we all talked about how much ahead of uh, Sirianni was of Arthur. What's his name? Yeah, Arthur, Arthur Smith. Smith. 
Dude, the tables have completely turned. Like, Arthur Smith has that team playing some good football, and the Eagles look more like the Falcons did week one. So, yeah, you know, man. kudos to Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons, man. He, you know, even without Calvin Ridley, he has that team playing pretty good football. Yeah. What so, the hell happened? Yeah, the Falcons have, have improved. In the they were able to take, take down uh, New Orleans. Yep. So, so does that mean, like, for one of the three Eagles wins, we get, we get to no longer have to hear it was just the Falcons? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty much where we are at this point. I mean, the Falcons are 4-4. Four and four. Yeah. That's crazy. That is crazy to think about. So pretty week, uh, pretty wild week nine. Um, a lot of takeaways. It seems like we're all on the same page. We're, we're finding out more and more about these teams or more, more or, or lack less. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I should say, because, you know, the crazy thing about it is, you know, if the Rams come out of that week with a win, then they would probably be the clear cut team that Dylan is speaking on there. Um, but they've just had a few hiccups this season where they just did not look like themselves. Um, but yeah, the Titans, the Titans look really tough which uh, leads us into the conversation, top five power rankings. Um, we'll finish up with top five power rankings for each of us, and then we'll touch on the Ravens and Dolphins tonight, give our predictions for that, and then we will get out of here. Um, so who would like to start? Um, do we want to go from five to one, one to five? How do we want to do this, guys? It's up to you, man. We can go from five to one. We can kind of just go, I'll go, like, I'll go five, you go five, Vance goes five, I'll go four, like, just kind of real quick. Yeah, let's do that. All right. So, again, power rankings. Like I said, not having a great read on any of, the te- on any of these teams running away. Um, at number five, even though they are my Super Bowl favorite, as of today where I had to put them, I have the L.A. Rams um, kind of by default on who is above them, who has beaten them this season. And, and like Vance just said, when you, when you come off of that loss at home Sunday night football against the Tennessee Titans trying to figure out what to do without Derrick Henry in their lives, and you let them beat up on you like that offense. What did the Rams put up on Sunday night? Sixteen. Yeah, sixteen. Sixteen points against that Titans defense in SoFi. So the LA Rams, while I think they are the best all around put together roster, I think they are my Super Bowl favorites at the moment. Um, I, I have them at number five. Want me to go next? So my yeah, number sure. five. Um, my number five, I do actually have the Titans. Um, so with that win over the Rams, I did have them cracking my uh, top five here. I was I was a little hesitant, you know, after the the Henry injury. Um, I just was very unsure of how that offense was going to look. They came out, they beat the Rams, and it really wasn't about the offense as much as it was about the defense, um, which has been very impressive. So I got the Tennessee Titans here at number five. My number five guys, I have the Green Bay Packers. <clears throat> you guys probably disagree with that, but yeah, I think they're they're solid, you know, both offensively and defensively. But, you know, I think outside of Devontae Adams, I think that there are some some holes um at the receiver position. They have a bunch of complimentary players, but I do agree that Odell Beckham would have benefited greatly and they would have benefited greatly from Odell playing in Green Bay, but I have them at number five. No, I don't think you're crazy at all because I have the Green Bay Packers coming in at number four on my list. Um, I know the, my logic really isn't there because I'm punishing the Rams for losing last week. And I'm not doing the same for Green Bay. Um, they lose by, what, six without Aaron Rodgers, and I'm kind of thinking the logic isn't there, okay? But let's just say that I, I saw them shorthanded go into Arizona and beat the Arizona Cardinals, a team that I have higher than them on this list as of right now. Aaron Rodgers – no matter what we think of his choices and, you know, his MLK quotes and how he's making himself look off the field this past week, he's hearing what everyone's saying about him. 
don't piss that man off. Do not piss that man off. And I think the most impressive point uh, thing about their team is that defense is legit. That defense is really real. I watched them chase around Kyler Murray and make him struggle for three and a half quarters in Arizona. Um, so I have the Packers at number four. I think they're good on both sides of the ball. And when he comes back, they're going to be electric. Yeah, and I, I do have uh, – I actually have the Packers at number six, so I'm not too far off from you guys um, as far as where they're placed in my power rankings. Um, just, you know, there's a few teams that I have above them here that I, I just like a little bit more right now. Um, so number four, I actually got the Baltimore Ravens. Um, they're sitting at six and two. Um, I, I just love what the Ravens have done this year, even through all the injuries on offense, defense, um, you know, Marcus Peters, the running back depletion. They're still out there balling. Uh, Lamar Jackson, we're going to get into him in a few moments here, but clear MVP candidate this year. He has clearly stepped up uh, his end on the passing game as well. Um, his arm is looking a lot better. And you're having guys like Hollywood Brown start to come into fruition. Uh, they got Rashad Bateman back, who has been slowly creeping into uh, creeping in with the target share there. Um, and then Mark Andrews, of course, uh, that that tight end threat, who is uh, up in the top three this year. I, I would love to, to know where he actually ranks. I didn't get time to look into that before this show, but um, their offense is looking lethal. And they still hoist uh, a very good rushing defense. Their passing defense is at the bottom of the league, um, 26, I believe. But fourth-ranked rushing defense, which is always solid when you're going when you're headed to the cold, <laughs> the cold time of the year. So uh, that's who I got there at number four. So number four, guys, this might be controversial too, but I, I have the Bucks. I have the Bucks at number four. Um, they played outstanding football pretty much most of the season. They had a little bit of a uh, went through a little bit of a rut with uh, <clears throat> the Saints the last game, but I'm interested in seeing how they come out and play the next game. But right now, I have them at number number four. Not controversial at all, Vance, because I have the Bucks number three. I don't know what's going on with our two lists, but I got the GOAT and the Bucks at number three. Obviously, another team that could come out of the NFC at the end of this year. They're coming off a bad loss against the, against the shorthanded Saints. Um, it seems it, since Tom Brady has been a Buccaneer, he's had his issues with New Orleans and the Saints. Um, but I think they'll just brush that one off again. When You mentioned earlier how the LA Rams now have the best you know, set of wide receivers in this league. Well, they have the best, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the second best because they were number one before. Mm. The GOAT is playing at an MVP-type level. Somehow, someway, as he gets older, he's playing at MVP-type level still. And that de defense, obviously the secondary has some issues, but that defense up front and with their linebackers are really stout. Coming off a bad loss, they got the bye week to think on it. Um, I would not want to be their opponent this week. I don't know who it is, but definitely would not want to be them. Yeah, so <laughs> number three, I'm, I'm I'm right there with you, Dylan. Um, I do have the Bucks right there as well, um, sitting at six and two, um, for the same exact reasons that you mentioned. Um, the one thing I will throw in there is that their passing defense has picked it up a little bit. Um, they've gotten a little bit better. I know whenever we were, uh, you know, really digging into their uh, defense right when the Eagles were about to play, they were close to the bottom, if not the 32nd ranked pass defense in the NFL. They have uh, slowly but surely moved up to the 15th ranked passing defense, um, which is why I got them where they are. Um, they already, as you guys know, have one of the best, if not the best, rushing defense. Um, and then Tom Brady, MVP level. He's got a plethora of weapons. He's getting Gronk back healthy now. Leonard Fournette's found himself as a very huge piece of that offense, which takes a lot of stress off Brady's shoulders. Um, but, yeah, Bucks at number three for me.
So for me at number three, I have the Rams. Um, I like this. I really like the signing of Odell Beckham Jr. Like I said, and as you just mentioned, Dylan, I think they have the top four receiver group in the league. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think McVay has a ton of weapons at his disposal now. He can pretty much beat you in any way, you know, as does uh, Matthew Stafford. Yeah. Um, and defensively, too. I mean, they, they have their star studded on defense. When you talk about, you know, adding a guy like Von Miller you, to that lineup, it's it's a great thing. You know, you have Aaron Donald, you have um, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, the team the team is star studded, and we've seen what they did to to the Bucks when they went to LA. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely if they get home field advantage, I don't think the Bucks want to go back and play in LA again. I know Tom Brady, Brady's the goat, and he can beat anybody at any time, but. That's going to be a really tough matchup for anybody going into L.A. playing on that turf this year. Yeah. I like it. I like it. At number two, I have the team that just beat the Rams, the Tennessee Titans. Now, this is a little bit of recency bias because of the big win on Sunday night, but they are on fire. They just keep rolling off big wins against the cream of the crop as far as, you know, um, championship contenders this season. Um, Obviously, they beat the Bills a couple weeks ago. And then obviously they beat the Rams now, but before they they beat the Bills and someone else, the Chiefs back to back. Yes, they beat the shit out of the Chiefs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and now they they just beat the Rams. Like you're talking, they're beating up on contenders right now. Now obviously the question is, we've only seen a small sample size of life without Derrick Henry. What's it look like going forward? But like you said, they, this coach has them playing hard and gritty and tough. That defense is probably playing above the talent level that they have. Um, and now more pressure falls on the shoulders of Ryan Tannehill. Will he crumble? I, he might. I don't know. But when you have some of the weapons on offense they have in A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, he might be able to make it work. Yeah. Titans Titans are definitely a team to keep an eye on over the next few weeks, see how they start to play. and. You know, if that team that showed up in L.A. is the real Titans without Derrick Henry, that's going to be a nuisance for the NFL. Um, At number two, I have the L.A. Rams. Um, So I I still have faith in the Rams. I know they just lost to the Titans. I think that's, you know, one of those games. Maybe I'm just, you know, not giving enough faith into that uh, Titans team or that Titans win. But I just think the the Rams went out there and laid a clunker. Um, They keep adding talent to the roster. And once, uh, you know, I, I feel like I keep saying this, um, but once that offense really figures it out and gets locked in and gets moving, um, gets all of those pieces nice and, and, and comfortable in that offense, it's going to be really hard to beat this team. Um, their defense hasn't been great this, this season so far, but I just, you know, the more pressure you put on teams with, the, with your offense, the easier it makes it on your defense. And they, they added Von Miller to the mix there. That's going to significantly help their pass rush. And uh, ultimately, that will help their pass and defense. So they, they, they are still locked in at the top of the NFL. And, you know, as far as clear-cut favorites, you know, if there, there's no team that's really clearly ahead um, in my eyes, I totally agree with Dylan there. But if there was one team that I would pick, it would be the Rams. Um, as that team, if I, could, if I had to put my money on who would win the Super Bowl today, um, I would definitely go with the Rams right now at seven and two. Gotcha. So number two, Dylan, we have the same team at number two, man. I've got the Tennessee Titans. And the reason is in this game, in this day and age of all of the passing and, you know, teams putting up prolific yeah. yards through the air, there that team is a throwback. And they kind of remind you they play very similar to an older Patriots team. You know, they're built really tough up front. They have Simmons. 
You know, they have Byard on the back end, who's a, who's a great safety. Um, you know, they ran the football, you know, of course, up until recently, up until Derrick Henry's injury. Um, and they have two, you know, bigger receivers. Now, A.J. Brown can get down the field, but, you know, most of their passes are relative, they're intermediate passes. Yeah. They play an old school brand of football that you really don't see in today's game. And I think that that actually gives them a competitive edge in a lot of these games. So I really, I really like that team moving forward. All right. Well, we got the same number two. We might have the same number one as well. I got the Arizona Cardinals, the best record in the NFL. Um, I mean, they just beat a division rival without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Sam Fran, who I thought was obviously they're going through their own stuff with injury wise and their and their quarterback situation, but I thought they'd be better than they are right now. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that Arizona is able to do that with backups uh, was pretty damn impressive. So. The Cardinals are number one to me, um, and we'll see what they look like when Kyler gets back. Yeah, yeah, Kyler should be back this week. I don't know about DeAndre Hopkins. I think he he still may miss this week. They should just let him get right. They have plenty of weapons if uh, AJ Green's back. Um, Chase Edmonds, I think, went down in that game, and I saw he was doubtful for this week as well. So that that could be a big loss. But James Conner's been very good um, whenever Chase Edmonds isn't there. So – um, Cardinals number one for me as well. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, just a, a very impressive win after a tough loss against Green Bay. You know, a, a, a team, a, a game they shouldn't have lost against Green Bay without Devontae Adams. Um, but Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, always going to give his team a chance. And, you know, you saw a blunder at the end of that game that kind of just didn't make sense. They had a chance to win that game against Green Bay. So I'm not holding too much weight on that loss. Um, and they come back, they bounce back, uh, able to come out, take care of business against San Fran, a team that they should beat. But should they have beat them without Kyler Murray, right? Like that's that's kind of the kicker there for San Fran. But just shows how how impressive this Cardinals team has been, um, able to win even without Kyler Murray. Um, so they round out my top five there. Yeah, fellas, no argument here. I have the same team. I think, you know, Zach Ertz was a great addition yeah. to that team. and. You know, just looking at what Kingsbury has done, you know, offensively, man, like you talk about weapons. I mean, that's another team. I mean, even what they've done with a guy like Rondell Moore, you know, coming from out of Purdue and getting him involved. Um, Kingsbury is an offensive mastermind, and I would hate to play against him in the playoffs, man, because one thing, you know, one thing's for sure, that team is going to put up points no matter who they play. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So we all agree on the number one team in the NFL. And, you know, Cardinals, they, they're rightfully so at the top right now. They've earned that spot. They beat a plethora of teams. Um, and they do have the best record in the, in the NFL. So um, they're rightfully there at the top. Last thing I want to get into tonight, guys, uh, the Ravens and Dolphins Thursday night football matchup. Um, Ravens are coming in. Last time I checked on ESPN, they were eight and a half favorites over the Dolphins. Um First thing I want to ask you guys, I, I, I think this one for me is a pretty easy decision on who I think is going to win. Um, so I, I really want to ask you, you know, as far as Lamar Jackson, what he's been able to do this season, um, 65% completion percentage, 2,209 yards passing, 13 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 97 carries, 600 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns. Is Lamar Jackson the MVP this year? Um, and if not, who is? Uh, and I'll throw this to you first, Vance. Ooh, dude, MVP. Probably would have had to go Derrick Henry before he got injured, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I don't – to be honest, Scotty, I'm not sure, man. 
I'm not <laughs> sure who the MVP is, but I don't. So here's the thing. What we, here's what we know in a league where, you know, people, the MVP is the guy that pretty much puts up the best numbers. Um, I think Lamar Jackson, you know, at this point with 13 touchdowns and seven interceptions, um, it's probably not, I don't know, man. It's, diff, it's difficult to answer because he's led that team without, with missing their top three running backs. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I would think he would have to be in a conversation, but ultimately just stats wise, like, I don't know if those stats are gaudy enough to garner winning that award. What That's about you, Dylan? No, no, I'm just kidding. He, he's <laughs> in the conversation. I'll give him that respect. Um, and his due there, but no, I still don't think he's 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 the MVP right now. Um, Tom Brady is somehow playing at an MVP type level. Tom Brady will not. Nah, I was gonna say Tom Brady won't win it because you just got it. You and I talk. It's like why Jordan and LeBron didn't win MVP every year. But I think at this point he hasn't won one in in a long time, and it's like, eh, Tom does Tom Maybe. Tom gets the MVP at age like 40, 45, whatever forty four, however old he is. Um, Aaron Rodgers is playing at MVP type level. Like, like Vance said, Derrick Henry before his injury was Kyler Murray is playing at MVP type level. Matt Stafford has dropped off the past few weeks, but he was playing at MVP type level. So Lamar Jackson is definitely in the conversation. He has put up good numbers, but like Vance said, well, what's the, what's the ratio 13 to seven this season yeah. through, through nine weeks. No, no, that's not, that's, <laughs> that's not good enough. You're averaging, Less than two pass to one point, whatever passing touchdowns per week and almost an interception per week. Ain't caught it for me, bro. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. You know, as far as, uh, you know, the numbers there and just the, the touchdown interception ratio, which they get a lot of their touchdowns on the ground. Um, so a lot of them just get spread out between that running back group. But, um, you know, just as far as usage, he has to be in the conversation. Um, he's as far as the usage rate of, a, of an offense, um, the way they use him in the rushing attack, he, he gets them down there. And sometimes the running backs get it. Sometimes he runs it in. Sometimes the tight end, you know, it, whatever the case may be. But I definitely think he has to be in the conversation. Um, I would I would still tend to lean towards Tom Brady um, and then Kyler Murray right after him for me. Um and then I guess the only other things from this game, it's not it's not huge. Um, I don't know, is is Tua even playing, guys? Have you have you been updated on that? I have not, I'm not seen sure, it, but I think so. <clears throat> okay, so maybe they can make it interesting. Um, the Dolphins are are nowhere near what I thought they would be coming into this season. Um, you know, I was happy that we got their first round draft pick, but I did not think it would come out. I think we're, we're sitting at the third or fourth pick right now just by having the Miami Dolphins pick. So, um, naturally, I'm rooting for the Ravens in this game. Dolphins can just continue to lose there. Um, some other side notes. Uh, Hollywood Brown, as I mentioned earlier, 46 receptions, 682 yards receiving, and six touchdowns this season. He's really starting to uh, finally come into his own and become uh, that number one wide receiver for Baltimore which um, I'm extremely happy about. I have him in fantasy. Um, another guy I'm watching out for tonight, I'm looking at Rashad Bateman. I believe this is his third game he's been uh, back um, back active from that injury that he started the season with. Um, each week he's getting more and more involved in the offense. I'm finally going out on a limb. Uh, I got a bye week this week from one of my players, so I'm sliding Rashad Bateman into my lineup in fantasy in a few leagues. And uh, I want to see if he can get in the end zone tonight and become one of uh, Lamar's favorite targets of that offense. Um, 
other than that, is, is there anything you guys are looking at tonight in this game? Uh, any any betting, uh, gambling, uh, fantasy, any implications <laughs> from this game tonight? Not for me. I'm so I think you have to take – you take Lamar on the over in rushing yards. I think he was at 64 and a half, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. On FanDuel. I like that. Um, I like Jalen Waddle for the 40 plus yards tonight. I like uh, Mark Andrews. I think I'm going to go Mark Andrews 40 plus, and I'll go Gasicki 40 plus as well. Okay. I like that parlay. I got nothing for you. Um, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not interested in this game at all. Um, I did I think, put up a few bets. I'm not gonna lie to you. I think I'm sure I will buy by the time kickoff comes around, but it it just has ass whooping written all over it to me. <laughs> um, listen, Lamar. We just had the Lamar MVP type of conversation. This is a bad Miami Dolphins team. Lamar, don't struggle against this team. Don't don't struggle as a passer against this team. Exploit this Miami defense. Exploit this Miami team, and help all of us Eagles fans out and keep their pick in the top three for us. Yeah, no, this is this is a game you would really like to see Lamar just kind of take care of, making an easy one. Um, part of me feels like the Dolphins on a primetime game, like Thursday night, it's going to be some weird game where they play the Ravens really tough. But um, partially, I, I think they can play them tough for for majority of the game, but I do think the Ravens end up pulling away. So one parlay I have, I do have the Lamar Jackson. So I have him 66 and a half yards rushing. I have the over. Um, I have over 200 yards passing. Um, I have an anytime touchdown with Rashad Bateman. So I'm, I'm buying in with Rashad tonight. He's got to get in the end zone for me. Um, and then I do have Baltimore Ravens uh, covering the spread at eight and a half. So that's one parlay I have tonight. And then I have the Ravens straight up. Um, I have Lamar Jackson, anytime touchdown scorer, um, Miles Gaskin, over 40 yards rushing, over 20 yards receiving. And then I do have uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown with over 50 yards receiving. So um, those are two parlays I got going in that game. But yeah, there's no no major implications. I mean, you definitely want to see uh, or you would expect the, the Ravens to take care of business tonight, keep their standing in the AFC. Um, and remain one of those top seeds. Um, predictions tonight. We got to make them, Dylan, de definitely for pigskin picks. Um, and then we'll definitely want to get your pick as well, Vance. So I'll go ahead and throw it to you first, Vance. Who do you got tonight between the Ravens and Dolphins? And who do you think uh, is the difference maker in the game tonight, I guess you could say? Uh, you mentioned him a little bit earlier, Hollywood Brown. I think we've really seen him, you know, come on this year. Um, you know, coming into the season, he was a guy who would drop passes. And this yeah. year, I really feel like he's taking on that number one receiver role and he's taking it in stride. So I like him tonight. Yeah. I like him to go over, as you said, whatever his yards total is tonight. And I think he'll have a big game. Um, with that being said, I think Baltimore wins this game uh, fairly easily. Um, I do expect them to cover as well. Nice. Yeah, I like Baltimore with a cover too. Like I said, eight and a half normally on a primetime game would be a little much for me. Um, Scotty, it, it very well could be one of those weird – Primetime football is extremely weird to me. Like you, you watch <laughs> something transpire and you're like, if this was at one o'clock on a Sunday on the red zone, this would not be happening right now. I, I see no way, shape or form that the Dolphins hang in this game. Um, yeah. I think that the Ravens may even put up 30 plus on them tonight. I think they win by double digits. Um, and I think Lamar does probably put up some big time numbers tonight. 
Nice, nice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you guys. Um, I do have the Ravens, and I do have them covering the spread tonight. Um, yeah, I, I said it could get weird in primetime. I do think the Ravens end up pulling away at some point in this game. Um, but it'll be interesting to see the Dolphins. It'll be the first time I actually see the Dolphins play live this season. Um, you know, I'll, I'll check it out after the Sixers game. Of course, I'm not watching that shit show over the Sixers, but um, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll definitely get to peep to and that that Miami Dolphins team and get my feel for how our pick is going to end up this season. Uh, but definitely rooting for the Ravens tonight. Need them to get that W. But um, that is going to be it for tonight, guys. I know we definitely want to get off here and catch the the rest of the Sixers game. It's already started. I got some parlays going in that game as well. But um, definitely want to thank you, Vance, uh, Vance crew, for joining the show tonight. Um, it's always a pleasure having you, Vance. Um, anybody that was listening, watching today, if you listen to this tomorrow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, make sure you go follow Vance on Twitter at crew underscore love zero. Make sure you're following him. Um, and Vance, if you just want to let our listeners, our viewers know what you got going on as far as content wise these days. Yeah, so some of you may know I'm part of Heat Ratio Sports Network. Um, I'm also one-fourth of the uh, Flyer and Ice podcast. Please follow us on Twitter, um, at Flyer and Ice Pod on Twitter. Perfect. And thank you once again, Vance, for joining us. And as always, (laughs) thank you once again, my man. And as always, thank you to my co-host, Dylan Davis. You guys can follow him on Twitter, at DylanJD98. As for myself, if you aren't already, make sure you're following me on Twitter at Scotty Drown. Before I get everybody out of here tonight, as you guys know, we are brought to you by Manscaped. So DSM Media and the Turf Talk Show are brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code TURF20 at manscaped.com. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. This upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on and off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And did I mention the wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TURF. 20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the code turf 20 unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscaped your balls will certainly thank you and i certainly thank all of you for t- tuning in with us tonight that is going to be it for this episode of turf talk make sure you are subscribed to dsm media on all your podcast streaming platforms as well as youtube Make sure you're following DSM Media at DSM underscore media on Twitter. You'll find our link tree. You'll find the plugs to every single social media platform. For myself, for Vance, for Dylan, that is going to be the, the end of this Turf Talk show. Thanks for tuning in, guys.